You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, Mark Hatmaker here, coming to you from the Comancheria. Today let's discuss Apache running. Uh, we're going to discuss some uh, in the weeds about how to do some of these drills. And we're also going to take uh, behind the scenes of why these drills were not. And that's the running. Some things that have to do with something a little bit more uh, more involved, universal. Something you can do in the everyday, even if you're not a runner yourself. Uh, you might want to hang on and, and pay attention to this. Now, of the many Native American tribes of the southwest United States and Mexico, the various bands of Apache carry a reputation for fierceness, you know, resourcefulness, and the on, almost superhuman stamina. Uh, the name Apache is perhaps a misnomer as it refers to several different bands that are loosely and collectively referred to as Apache. Well, the word Apache is actually a variant of a Zuni word, Apachu, uh, that this uh, Pueblo tribe applied to the collective bands of Apachu. Apachu in Zuni translates roughly to enemy, which is a telling detail that shines a light on the warrior nature of these collective tribes. So for the most part, the Apache didn't call themselves that. Uh, as a correlate to this, if you look at the, the uh, Comanche, uh, it's actually, they're, they're the numero. Uh, they didn't call, the other tribes called them Comanche, which again, that translates to the enemy and the uh, Comanche being the people they were. They liked it <laughs> and adopted it. Anyway, let's uh, carry on with our today's topic. Among the various Apache tribes, you'll find the Kiowa, Mescalero, Hikorio, uh, Chiricahua, or Cherry Cows, as early Texas uh, settlers called them, and the Lipan. These bands sustained themselves by conducting raids in the various settled Pueblo tribes, you know, Mexican villages, and the encroaching American settlers. Now, these American settlers were often immigrants of all nationalities with a strong contingent of German, Polish, and quite a smattering of French. <clears throat> now, tales of Apache fierceness so captivated the uh, collective French mind that Parisian gangsters in France at the time received the nickname Apache. Now more on this later because some really fascinating uh, things pop up and some crazy street fighting tactics uh, from uh, that side of the pond as well. They were influenced from uh, the southwest side across the river and then it gets again we get that melting pot back on that side and then we watch them float back over here. It's really absolutely startling and amazing. Uh, and vicious, of course. Now, now, many of the legendary Native American warriors of these early days were members of the various Apache uh, bands. Names as renowned as Cochise, Nana, Victoria, Ho, uh, Geronimo. And uh, unusual for many Indian tribes was the fact that women were often warriors, and there are many, many tales of uh, their uh, distiff exploits, particularly those of the fierce uh, Lozen, uh, sister of Victoria. Now, admittedly, these, uh, this history of guerrilla warfare by the Apaches and the, and the long fight by the U.S. government to stamp out these raids is indeed violent, almost shockingly so. Uh, I've got, there's accounts and accounts and accounts. I mean, I remember we're, uh, even some extant photos from the time, and it is just, it is amazingly brutal. But we must not forget a bit of context. Even the men charged with capturing, defeating the Apache, these esteemed warriors themselves, men such as General uh, Nelson Miles and George Crook, had more than a begrudging respect for the Apache tactics and were more sympathetic, uh, sympathetic to their causes of the aggression than history uh, usually reports. Now, if we leave behind the uh, the causes, real or surmised, of the violence on both sides and move on to how the Apache forged their warriors, both male and female, from an early age, we may find more than a few intriguing ideas to add to our own training, to our own lives. 
Now, today, let's focus on one facet of Apache ruggedness, their astounding stamina, in particular, their ability to run long distances in harsh terrain, blistering heat, no water stations, and without scientifically engineered footwear. <laughs> we got to think about all of us when we go out and get the best water shoe there is, make sure we get a good camelback on there or carrying a ubiquitous bottle of water everywhere we go. And even when we're talking about running, we're not talking about marathon running. This is a curious loping position that didn't look like it was all that fast, but it just ate up the miles because it seemingly was non-stop. Now, the Apache were noted for many unusual tactics to build endurance, including an odd motivation involving cold water swims. But again, we'll, we'll save that for another day. So even desert cultures would recognize the importance of uh, swimming and, and cold immersion. Now, the Apaches, like other warrior cultures, the Spartans come to mind, started warrior training early. Uh, and then for children, most of these games, we're think, we think of training now. We think we this regimented thing that we do because that's how we think about the Western mindset with schooling and you know, you know football drills or whatever. Most of these things were conducted along the form of games. They were just expectations. They were meant to make uh, something with a purpose fun to have purpose to it. Just not mindlessness. Here, grab the here, grab the Xbox. Or here, you know, here's the phone. Play with this app and do whatever. This is actually was meant to have something to engage and that you can might one of these days uh, perhaps use. Uh, even a cursory look at these so-called Apache games for the young reveals that most of these games seem to be no more than preparation for ruggedness or stalking or concealment practice and ambush-oriented skills. Running was a huge part of this training, and there are numerous, again, so-called games or motivational tactics used to keep this push for stamina fresh. First, when we say long-distance running, keep in mind we're not talking 10Ks in the occasional marathon. The Apache, like the present-day Taramaharu tribe profiled in Christian McDougall's book, Born to Run, were a running culture. The difference between the, uh, the tribes is that the Apache were using running to build warriors who could do what a horse was not able to do in a punishing terrain and climate. There are several military reports from various forts and outposts in the territory at the time that record Apache scouts and or hostiles as they were uh, traveling as much as 70 miles in a single day. There's no horse. Keep in mind these reports of distance are not outliers but commonly reported, and these are coming from military sources who are understood what distances were and what they meant. This is one of the huge differences uh, between the, the Apache and the Comanche. Comanche and Apache both have huge reputation for warrior culture, where Comanche was primarily a horse culture. Apache was on foot, and they had horses, used them some, ate them a lot, too. Now, Apache children, boys and girls, were conditioned to run hard and long, not so much by increasing distances. This is very valuable to us for those who want to eat up all of our, uh, our limited free time in the world is by you know, adding miles and miles and miles. Uh, I actually don't even run anymore. I just use this sort of protocol and you know, skip all that noise. Uh, Apache children, boys and girls, are conditioned to run hard and long, not so much by increasing those distances, but by increasing the hardship of a given distance. So hill scrambles for, you know, really, real hill fights for bragging rights often used, and by hill we mean this rocky, scree-ridden escarpment that call for lots of quadrupedal scrambles to make it to the top and then make it down with all the speed one dares. So these sprints often worth thinking about. These are rough and tumble affairs. These aren't just like seeing who's the fastest, just pushing and jostling for position, shoving the other guy down sort of thing. Uh, the Apache tribes primarily... Um, Let's, uh, I want to focus on one unusual method of increasing hardship that has both a combat utilitarian purpose and anaerobic training aspect, and more than it Fs with your head a little bit. And also, it's something that can lead to you might find of use for your everyday uh, life. And we'll get into this uh, more deeply here in a bit. This is called the mouthful of water run. 
the Apache tribes primarily resided in harsh terrain where access to water was scarce. One might travel for miles and miles with no access to water to discipline children for both running with intent and to have a water resource when it was really needed and not merely sipped for convenience or whim's sake. Uh, and again, let's think uh, think about that. Uh, we, we camelbackers or all of us who can't you know, put in a mile hike without making sure we got our water bottle with us and make sure we stay hydrated. Well, what would happen? The Apache women, who more often than not, these were the ones who would direct this skill, would give each child one sip of water, which they were not to swallow. They were then sent out on their uh, run, long distance or heel scramble or stalking run, whatever the focus of the day was, but the child was instructed, do not swallow the water. You with me? Do not swallow. At the end of that day's drill, we're talking an extended period, the child was to spit the water out in front of their so-called trainer and woe to those who failed. Now keep in mind, we're talking this is harsh air territory where everyone's aware of where the uh, water holes are. And where, so they're sitting in the terrain that would not have access to water holes. So this is it. You're not just able to go out there and say, yeah, I did it. And you know, you know take another uh, sip from your Evian bottle and come back in and, you know, and lie. Ain't going to be the case. You had to hang on to that water all day long. Now, if you try this, in my own personal experiences with this tactic, I find the following. Uh, when you first start it, mucus production goes into overdrive as a superheated pharynx seeks to clear mucus somewhere, and that somewhere is the face. So, in other words, uh, you'll be lots of farmer spitting so-called where you push on one nostril and blow out the other, uh, or you'll be wiping the nose a lot, and you know, that's going to happen. You just let it stream down in your face. Whatever works for you, but if you're really staying strict with the discipline, this occurs, and after that, you kind of clear out that pharynx, you're cleared. You kind of stay clear. It acts like your own personal flonase, uh, and you start getting back to breathing out. You might have been meant to breathe the entire time. Also, when you first start, the urge to swallow hits way, way, way earlier, well, at least than I expected. Uh, it comes fast, and it stays furious with you for a while. And then after, the more you do this, it kind of goes away. You start learning, okay, I'm, I'm fine with this. It's just like everything else. Training and conditioning creates the specificity of effect. Now, your pace when you first start this becomes affected by, I'm going to give it an approximate 20%, as in the ability to smoothly mouth-breathe oxygen is no longer an option. So whatever your pace was, whether you're running or what have you, you might find there'll be a reduction. Don't start out there. I want you to get the full effect by do what you normally do and realize how much you rely on that open mouth. You'll have to learn to moderate pace in relation to this reduc uh, reduced uh, oxygen intake. It knows breathing only, and that nose is and initially partially filled with mucus. So keep in mind, you're already actually getting this little training mask effect without even having to buy one of these uh, silly-looking things. In flat or mere distance running, one can become acclimatized to this with work. It doesn't take long. Heel scramble, sprint work, and work on underload. Well, this is where that really suffers the most, but again, it really pays dividends on it. It builds a bit of discipline, a bit of, of grit with it. Now, with that said, I offer the following drills that apply, uh, uh, allow us to apply this fascinating conditioning tactic without ever really approaching the hardcore rich uh, cultural immersion that gave birth to it. In each of these versions of so-called Apache running, it's understood that you will take one big mouthful of water and hold it until the task is complete. Uh, drill number one, the miler. I suggest using the standard mile run as the starter for use of this technique to get your mind wrapped around how you respond to the restricted nature of breathing. Hit your fastest mile, and if at any point you feel the urge to swallow or spit, just drop back the pace and you can regain control. And again, you haven't even run. If you're not a runner already, you want to move around, take your walk, your next stroll. Try it that way, too. Just uh, learn how much you might be relying on mouth breathing over nose breathing. And I want to say right now, there's so many of these cultures who've considered breathing through the mouth 
uh, just not wrong. It was a perversion. It's, there's so much talk in there when they're referring to uh, the gringos and the white folks from the territory. They're thinking they all breathe through their mouths and they considered it a deviation, a perversion, unattractive. And they also thought it was quite unhealthy. And there might be something to that. We'll get to, uh, to that later on because there was actually some scientific studies that pulled up about this. And some of these are really, uh, they're, they're, they're rather revelatory. Okay, the next drill we would do is the 5K, which is the same as the miler. We'll do the same, but, uh, but with that straight three-mile, uh, you know, 5K or straight three-mile distance run. Take your water, uh, hit, hit, hit your uh, distance, and do it. Again, you don't have to run it if you want to. Trot it or walk it. Same thing. See if you can build the discipline to only breathe through that nose by holding that mouthful of water. You can also run these as intervals, which is why hitting a series of, uh, let's say, 10 50-yard sprints with your rest being your walk back. Keep the water held in the mouth until after all 10 sprints are completed. And this is where you really find uh, the pace will drop back initially, and you'll also find, man, I sure wish I could breathe through the mouth, let you know how much we're hitting uh, that area. And this really gets us also to the effect when so many early these uh, physical cultures were talking about uh, face under pressure, that's F-A-C-E, how many didn't like grunting and gritting and groaning and all this, they thought you had to make sure that your external countenance had some ability to hold together, whether you're moving under heavy load or doing some really spectacularly difficult gymnastics or isometric feet. This is, uh, I think, it's the same sort of grit you're building here. If you're learning to run or move or do any sort of physical effort, holding the mouth, uh, that mouthful of water, you learn to access this bit of well, at least appearance of external calm, and you're training that system, your, your, even your emotional system, to behave a bit more calmly, and this is what you might need under true uh, bad circumstances. We're always gritting, grunting, and groaning whenever we're supposed to be playing around and, you know, getting good at a piece of exercise. Uh, we might bring that same mindset to troubling times. Another drill is just called the four-wheeler. It's optimally you find a steep hill, one that requires a bit of climbing or bouldering or at least hands-on terrain portions. Scramble up and down that hill as quickly as possible with a mouthful of water. You can also do this under load. Grab a sandbag. 20 to 30 pounds will do it or whatever works for your uh, weight class, condition, condition. Hit a two-mile run or just carry it for a, a couple of miles. Again, with that mouthful of water. You can also try it as a circuit. I mean, just run it into your standard box-style, CrossFit-style circuits with the Apache mouthful of water. Uh, you Like, for example, try like a power clean, pull-ups, and you know, do the standard 15, 12, 9, 6, 3, or 21, 59, whatever works for you. You get the idea. Once you find a standard exercise, something that requires you to be under load for a bit, give that a shot. Now, once you have your first one or two experiences with the Apache running, you'll discover for yourself if you gain any aerobic, anaerobic benefits, all of the training mask use, uh, even the training mask, the empirical efficacy results with that piece of equipment are all over the map. It don't really look like they're doing what they say they do, but with a mouthful of water, at least there's no expense on it. I can say there's some dev definitely some dividends as far as I feel like it occurs. I think primarily it moves off in the psychological, emotional content area where you learn that uh, you're keeping yourself a placid countenance. You learn to work through that. So you're adding additional impetus without having to get that distance out there. And I think that really helps to having that mental mastery over an additional hurdle without adding additional time. Like I said, at the very least, you'll build some discipline with the uncomfortable nature of the tactic, while at the same time perhaps forging a cross-historical bond with the recreation of what was used by some of those resolute warriors in the planet. And I don't really know if there's a better way to say it than that. You get to do what true hosses did. 
and uh, you know capture a piece of that emotional content where it's not going through the motions you're doing your head in space if you really push yourself we'll get into an unusual position and you go ah oh, wow this is this is a different world and all I had to do was uh, take a mouthful of water that was it well with that said hope you enjoyed it guys want you take care of yourself as always hey you know if you like subscribe share the podcast that helps this sort of thing out if you like this sort of thing please go over to extremeselfprotection.com have a look at all our training products there most of them it's all this historical background sort of stuff or have a look at our blog uh, our blog indigenous ability for all the stuff plus references across resources all that noise i'm not your dad do what you want to do but uh, any support helps out take care of yourselves Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>